0: we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me this morning to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter number 14. Uh, we're continuing a study through the gospel according to Matthew. And this study is, is is looking at the interaction of the disciples with the Lord Jesus and what he's teaching them as they are following him. And so our theme has been follow, just a simple theme. And the Christian life really is quite simple. Uh, we're here to follow Christ. And as the disciples are following we are able to join along with them and learn the lessons that they were learning in the presence of Christ. So we come to Matthew chapter 14 and in the opening verses of the 14th chapter, we read of the death of John the Baptist who was beheaded by Herod Uh, and the Lord Jesus and his disciples have learned of his death and as a result are departing for a time of rest uh, coming apart from the demands of the multitudes, the demands of ministry. But as we're going to find, you cannot escape those needs and those demands of a lost and dying world. So we'll begin reading in Matthew chapter 4 in verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat." And they say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained, twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Would you pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you would open to us our hearts, open to us in our minds that we might receive the truth of your word. Open to us the scriptures. May the Holy Spirit speak to us. Fill me with thyself. Enable me to communicate your truth. Help us to hear what you have to say. Help us to respond in obedience and in faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to notice what the Lord Jesus tells his disciples in verse number 16. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. I want to speak to you on this subject this morning, give ye them to eat. After hearing the news of John's death, the Lord Jesus and his disciples They left by boat. They were looking for a place where they might find some rest. In fact, Mark records this incident in Mark chapter 6, and in verse 31, he says, these were the the words of the Lord Jesus to his disciples, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. It had been a busy, busy season of ministry for the disciples, the demands that were placed upon them, the demands that were placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ uh, were unending. And so they decided to get in a boat and take a little journey to a side of the, uh, of the Sea of Galilee where they might find some rest. But the people, as we read in the text, they heard of it and they followed Christ on foot out of the city. He saw them, and when he saw them, the Bible said that he was moved with compassion upon them. He he felt pity for them. And so when he got out of the boat, he began to minister to them. He began to heal their sick, and many gathered. We we would imagine that perhaps in upwards of 20,000 people gathered to meet with Jesus here. As the day wore away and the sun began to set, the disciples came to Jesus and they had a request. And here was their request, send the multitude away. Let them go back into the villages and let them buy some food. And then the Lord has a response to that request. And I imagine that when he gave this response, they were quite disturbed by it, perhaps annoyed or irritated, maybe shocked. But Jesus said, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Well, the Lord Jesus gave them a command that seemed to be impossible, to feed 20,000 people. And he was challenging them. What was he challenging them to do? He was challenging them to trust him to meet the need. I want you to imagine, we, we have dinners here, we have fellowships, we'll have a fellowship Sunday, we'll feed about 400 or so people. But to do that, we have some planning to do, we, we may get some help, we may ask some people to make some things and bring some things, and there's the setup and there's the preparation. It takes quite a bit of work. Every day in our school cafeteria, we feed several hundred students. And it takes quite a bit of effort and quite a bit of work, quite a bit of resources. Uh, Just check on some prices for kitchen equipment and you'll understand. Imagine we were asked to feed 20,000 people. Tabernacle Baptist Church, would you feed 20,000 people? Well, that would sound like a pretty big request, would it not? That's about half the city population of Hickory. Would you feed 20,000 people? Well, I imagine if we raised some funds and we prepared and, and talked to some people, we could probably figure out a way to get it done. But it would cost us a lot of money and it would take a lot of effort. Now, the sun is setting. The disciples are tired and they're hungry. They had no leisure, no time to even eat. And they were hoping to get some rest, but no rest because on the other side, they're met by this, this great host of 20,000 or so people, and they have needs. The disciples say, Lord, uh, we'd like to talk to you. These people are hungry. You've kept them here all day. Why, why don't you let them go and, and buy some food before the markets close? Let them go back into the villages. Let them go home and, and, and let them eat. And, and by the way, we need a little break ourselves. And then Jesus said, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. In other words, there's no reason for them to go buy food. Go ahead and feed them. Can you imagine the looks they gave one another? The thoughts that crossed their mind. They thought to themselves, is he serious? How in the world does he expect us to get this done? You see, we've received a similar assignment. What is our responsibility? Our responsibility is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's a big assignment. If we were to try to reach our city, and that, those numbers I gave you were numbers from 2008. That's the last time I looked, unfortunately. 40,000 in the city. But did you know the Hickory Metro is the sixth largest metropolitan area in the state of North Carolina? The four counties that come together, the Unifor, form the sixth largest metropolitan area in the state of North Carolina. And do you know that the Lord has given this church a responsibility to reach the people in our community? Now, I believe this church has touched many lives, and I believe it will touch many more. But to hear the Lord Jesus say to us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, He said, Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, that's your city, in Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That is a command that he has given us. That is our responsibility. And it may seem to us as an impossible task. As we deal with the multitudes, as we deal with the burdens, as we deal with the needs of people, it can cause us to get weary and discouraged. As we think of the demands of our world and the needs of our world, what a lost world in which we live, it can be quite overwhelming. But nonetheless, here's the command, here's the order that Christ gave his disciples Give ye them to eat. Now, they had no time to call in the caterers, to talk to the food suppliers, to get the kitchen equipment there that would be needed. In fact, there was no time for any of that. All they could use is all that they had. And here's what they had. Five loaves and two small fishes. I'm not talking about five loaves like we pick up in the grocery store. I'm talking about five small loaves of barley bread, something that you wouldn't find particularly appetizing. And two small fishes about the size of a sardine. Hopefully they didn't taste like a sardine or smell like a sardine. That doesn't seem like very much, does it? In fact, it was a little boy's lunch. That's all they had, and but that's all they needed because Jesus said, that'll do. That'll do, yes, that'll do. We can feed this entire multitude with just five loaves and two fishes, bring them to me. Can you see the look of dismay on their face, the, the look of concern as they carry these five loaves and two small fishes? And take them to Jesus. And then he looks up into the heavens and he holds that food up and he begins to bless it. And then he begins to break it. Now, the Bible tells us there were at least 12 baskets used. There may have been more. But at the end of the day, those five loaves and those two small fishes are going to produce enough leftovers after feeding 20,000 people to fill 12 baskets. And I'm just trying to imagine the scene. Here's Jesus he tells everybody to take a seat. They're organized. He says, sit down in companies on the grass. And then he takes the fish and he begins to break it in two. And though he breaks it, it continues to stay in his hand. And the basket begins to fill with fish. And then he grabs a loaf and he begins to break it. It stays in his hand, and he continues to break it, and and he breaks it again, and he breaks it again, just loaf after loaf, and it's falling into the basket. And then he says to the disciples, okay, boys, here you go. Take it to the people. And they take it to the people. And maybe they come back after a while and say, "Here, we've got some more who need fish and some more who need bread. Well, here's another basket. Take it to the people. And at the end of the day, 20,000 people have been filled. They didn't just get a bite. They've been filled. And there are 12 baskets that are completely full. I don't know what size they were, but 12 baskets that were completely full that remained. Now, I don't know if they were the disciples' baskets, but there were 12 disciples and there are 12 baskets, so I imagine there's some significance in that. Because those gentlemen knew what Jesus started with. And the multitude was fed. An impossible task was fulfilled. Now earlier, what did they leave out of the equation? They saw the multitude with their need. They saw their meager provisions. But they left something out of the equation. They left out the mighty power of Jesus Christ. And so many times as we approach life and we approach ministry, the work of the church, the situation in our home, we can look at the problems, we can look at the meager provisions that we have, but we factor out, pretend as if it doesn't exist, the person of the Lord Jesus. But when he steps in, all things are possible. And so the disciples are going to learn this on this evening And we're watching with them as we learn it. Now, there are three lessons I want you to note uh, from this passage, and I hope you'll write them down. First of all, we note the problems of ministry. The problems of ministry. Look again, if you would, in verse number 13. When Jesus heard of it, speaking of the death of John, so they're, they're grieving, they're saddened. He departed thence by ship into a desert place apart, They're tired, they're weary, they need some rest. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the city. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. You see, although the disciples were in need of rest, the problems of a multitude don't take a holiday. Sin and Satan are constantly at work. And so we notice here two sets of problems that come with the problems of ministry. First of all, there are the problems of the multitude. Now, what do we notice about the multitude? Well, in Mark said in Mark chapter 6 and verse 34 that when Jesus saw them, he noted that they were as sheep not having a shepherd. So the first problem we see that they had is that they were straying. The Bible says in Isaiah 63 and verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, we're living in a world that is out of control, a world that is lost, a world that is wandering aimlessly with no direction, with no hope, with no help, with no sustenance, no truth groping in the darkness. And the Bible said that when Jesus saw them, he knew that they were as sheep with no shepherd. They were straying. But not only that, they were sick. The Bible said that he healed their sick. They were bringing to him those who were infirmed. And we live in a world that is sin sick and in need of the great physician. And so we note that they were straying and that they were sick, but then we note that they were starving. They were hungry. The Bible says in Mark 6, 36, for they have nothing to eat, nothing to eat. Well, Jesus desires to satisfy the hungry. In John 6 and verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Now the Lord Jesus said in that same chapter, the, the words that I speak unto you, they are not profiting the flesh, they, they profit the spirit. These words are not, the, 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 this bread that Christ offers is not simply something that sustains you for a few hours and fills your belly. No, it is something that gives you eternal life and sustains you for all eternity. And the Lord Jesus desires to meet the needs. He is filled with compassion the problems of the multitude but then i want you to see the problems of the ministers you see the people had problems but the ministers had problems the disciples had problems now the, the first thing we note here is that they're already tired they're already worn out they're weary God's people get weary, don't we? We get weary in the ministry. We get weary in our lives. We get weary fighting the devil. We get weary uh, dealing with temptations and disappointments and heartaches that come to us. We get weary. And the disciples were weary. Now the multitude has found them. There's no, way to, there's no place to escape. There's, there's no way to get away. And they're hungry. And not only is the disciple's strength small, but their resources are small. And so they point out their problems to the Lord Jesus. Look, if you would, please, in verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place. Now, when you think about deserts, what do you think about? Well, you you think about dry places, Dead places, sand, no greenery, no beauty, just dry desert place. I said, this, this, is, a, this is a desert place. There's, there's nothing can happen here. Nothing good can happen here. There are no Arby's, no, no McDonald's, no Taco Bell's or Chick-fil-A's. What are we gonna do? How are we gonna feed this multitude in this desert place? Not only did they have a problem with the place, but they had a problem with the time. Look again in verse 15. This is a desert place, and the time is now past. It's too late in the day for us to do anything. I mean, nothing can get done now. It's, it's almost dark. If we went back and tried to catch the fish to bring in to feed the people, by the time we got that done, look, there's no way this can be done. It's just too late by the way, there's a great temptation that many of God's people can have to wonder if it's too late for God to do anything. We, we often quote the verse, and, and it is true, and, and I believe it's true. In fact, it's coming, it's coming to pass right before our eyes that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's happening, isn't it? In the last days, perilous times shall come. We're living in those days. But I want you to know that though we're living in those days, it is not too late for God to work. Though the sun may be setting and the shadows are gathering, I want you to know it is not too late for God to work. Oftentimes we look back, with nostalgia on the good old days and how it used to be and I'm guilty of doing that myself but I want you to know that these days that God has given us to live in can be the good old days too you say pastor don't you see what's going on all around us yes I do America our nation is under the judgment of God but I want to tell you that even in judgment God remembers mercy and God wants to use his church today And God wants to save souls today. And we can be, as Jude wrote, having compassion and making a difference. I want you to know, because of the compassion that the Lord Jesus had for those multitudes, the disciples were able to make a difference in their lives. And that same compassion Christ possesses now, and may God help us to possess it as well and make a difference in people's lives, even on the eve of... Of the coming of the Lord. We're not just simply going to hold on till Jesus comes. We're to occupy until He comes. To occupy means to be in our place, doing our job, trusting God. So they had a problem with the place, they had a problem with the time, they had a problem with the provisions. Notice again in verse 17. They say unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. We just have a little bit, not even enough to really fill up a young man. They had a problem with the provisions. Do you know that the need will always be greater than our resources? You see, had the disciples had a couple million dollars in the bank, this would have been their temptation. Let me get out my cell phone and call Domino's. You see, let's use what we have. We can handle this, no problem. And we like to have that kind of ability, don't we? We like to have a plan and to have the resources in place to do the work. That's the way we think. But that's not the way God thinks. In fact, I believe had they had those resources, they would have not learned to trust God to supply And so we find the need will always be greater than our strength and the need will always be greater than our resources. I think of Moses. When when the Lord said to Moses, Moses, I'm going to send you back to Egypt and you're going to go talk to the Pharaoh and here's what you're going to tell him, let my people go. And here's what I'm going to do, Moses. I'm going to deliver my people out of Egyptian captivity. And Moses is thinking, how in the world are we going to be set free from that mighty empire so when god speaks to moses here's what moses says who am i who am i I, i'm a nobody by the way that's who all of us are we're nobody who am i to make a difference in this world they won't believe me the the people won't even believe me then he said lord you've got the wrong man i'm not eloquent I, i can't go in there and talk to the pharaoh Gideon said something very similar when God spoke to him in Judges chapter 6 about delivering his people. Gideon said, I am the least in my father's house. God, you got the wrong guy. You see, those are the problems of the minister. And then we take the problems of the multitudes, and here's what we say. It just simply can't be done. We've got to back up and evaluate this thing. Well, then we come with the second thing that we learn, and that is the proposal from the ministers. The proposal from the ministers. Because of their problems, they thought they would get ahead of Jesus and offer him a plan. By the way, sometimes we do that too, don't we? Lord, if you'll just work this situation out, if, if, here's what I'd like for you to do. Step one, step two, and step three. And if you'll do that, Lord, everything will be just fine. Don't we pray those type of prayers? Yes, we do. Well, here they, ha- here they come with a proposal. Look, if you would, please, in verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away. That's it. That's the plan. We can't deal with these people. It's too late to deal with these people. There's nothing here in the desert that we could possibly offer them. So we got a brilliant plan, Lord. Send them away. I'm glad for John six thirty-seven. All that the Father giveth to me cometh to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I'm glad Jesus doesn't get too busy for me. He he, he doesn't get too tired for me. He he doesn't get sick of me. I'm really thankful for that. He will not cast me out. He was moved with compassion. Compassion. But the disciples, when they evaluated the need, when they evaluated their ability to meet the need, when they analyzed how much resources they had to meet that need, their plan was, Lord, these people are hungry. Why don't you send them away and let them go into the villages and buy themselves victuals? Let them take care of this situation. And here's the great temptation that we can find ourselves dealing with is that we get tired of dealing with people we think this task is too impossible and we say just send them away i can't deal with this anymore i have friends in ministry who i love who have said things to me like well you've got to keep that limited you got to keep this limited you have to know what you can handle Look, I can't handle any of this. I don't have any problem admitting that to you. I can't handle being a husband. I can't handle being a father, let alone being a pastor. I can't handle any of this. If it weren't for Jesus, none of this would be getting done. And you can't handle it either. But I can't imagine... I'm sorry, it's just not in me to say, send them away. People coming to us every day, wanting help. I just can't imagine saying, send them away. But that was their proposal. It was the best one they had. Well, that leads us to a third thing. And this is where everything changes. The provisions of the master. The provisions of the master. You see, when we recognize that we have nothing to offer, that we can't do it ourselves, that's a really good place to be. Because then we have to acknowledge that if Christ doesn't do it, it won't get done. And the Lord is teaching his disciples that. Look again, if you would, in our text. Verse 16, but Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. I'm so glad he said that. I would have been in that crowd walking through the wilderness trying to find something to sustain me. Never able to find it. Jesus said, They need not depart, give you them to eat. Now, as we think about the provisions of the Master, we know what he's going to do. He's going to feed this multitude. But I want you to notice how he did it. And maybe just write a few things down. First of all, he started with what they had. He started with what they had. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. We're going to feed this multitude. Well, here's what we have five loaves and two fishes. And the emphasis in that statement, we have here, but five loaves and two fishes, was not really to say, here we have five loaves and two fishes. The emphasis of that statement was to say, here's what we don't have. Here's what we don't have. And I want you to understand that Christ chose the method to meet the need. He chose the method to meet the need, He chose to use the provisions available. And he chose to use the ministers who were present. This is what he did. And aren't you glad that he's decided to choose you? He has chosen you and he wants to use you and he's not interested in what you do not possess. He is interested in having what you do possess. We're infatuated in our culture with all the things that we wished we had that we don't have. And we've forgotten to thank God for what he has given to us. So he doesn't ask them what they don't have. He asks them what they do have. And that's all he asks of us. What do you have? As I said earlier, I believe if they would have had more, they would not have been challenged to trust him more. And I think we find that the less that we have, the more we learn to depend on him, to trust in him, and the less we depend upon ourselves. So he started with what they had. If we're going to see the multitudes fed, what does the Lord ask of us? What do you have? Then secondly, he commanded them to bring it to him. He said, bring them hither to me. In Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What can we give him? We can give him ourselves. We cannot give him what we wished we were, or what we hoped we could be, we can give him who we are and we must give him ourselves. And Jesus says, that's enough. That's all I need. I don't need what you don't possess. I need what you do possess. Are you willing to give it to me? And then we notice that he multiplied what they gave. Look in verse 18. He said, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break it. You see, they brought it to him and then he blessed it. He looked up to heaven and he thanked the father for what he had been given. He thanked the father for the five loaves and the two fishes. And then he began to break it. And as he began to break it, he multiplied it. He multiplied it to such an extent that there was enough food to fill up the bellies of 20,000 hungry people and to have 12 baskets that remained. He multiplied what they gave. You see, if you and I would just simply give to God what we have, God will bless that and God will multiply it and God will use it. Well, then we note that he gave it back to them. He gave it back to them. Look at verse number 19. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break it and gave the loaves to his disciples. What they gave, notice please, he gave it back to them. What did they give him? combined all 12 of them five loaves and two small fishes what did they take home with them that day after 20,000 people were fed a basket full of fish and bread 12 baskets remained I believe there's significance in that there's meaning to that God is teaching us something Ecclesiastes 11 in verse 1 cast thy bread upon the waters For thou shalt find it after many days. Use what God has given you, cast it on the waters, and you will find it in many days. God will return your investment. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Would you listen? There's a very serious charge made here. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8. Will a man rob God? Imagine it. Imagine having the audacity to rob God. Dare any of us have that audacity? Will a man rob God? Yet, he says, ye have robbed me. He's talking to his people. He said, you've robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? And he answers, In tithes and offerings. The tithe is the tenth. It belongs to the Lord. If I withhold what belongs to the Lord, I'm robbing God. You say, well, wait a minute. That's my money. I worked hard. I worked hard. I labored. I earned that. Let me ask you a question. Who gave you the ability to work hard and to use your skill and ingenuity to earn that money? God did. Who gave you favor in that business? Or who gave you favor with that employer to put you in that position? Would you be so arrogant as to think that you did that yourself? You see, God only asks of us what he has given to us. And he only asks a portion. And by the way, it belongs to him. He could take it, but he doesn't. He says, bring it. You know, he said to the disciples, bring it hither, bring it to me. He says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. You see, God gives you what's his and gives you the privilege of giving it back to him. And then he promises that if you give him what's his, he'll take care of you and bless you more. Let me read it. He says, you're a curse with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You're trying to succeed, but things just aren't working out. Let me tell you why. Because you're robbing me. Verse 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. I want you to think about how much bread and fish it took to feed 20,000 people. I don't think they had a truck there, but if they had a truck there, it wouldn't have held all the food. There will not be room enough to receive it. Listen, if we'll trust God and we'll obey God and we'll present to him what we have, God has promised that he would bless us abundantly. He'll open the windows of heaven. He'll pour out a blessing and we won't have room enough to contain it. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And, the, and, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. God said, If you give to me that which I have given to you, I'm going to give you even more, and I'm going to protect what you have. Luke 6 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. If I give, God will give to me. But notice how he gives to me, pressed down. Well, he says, good measure, first of all. Good measure. Extra. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God said if you'll give to me, I'll give to you and what I'll give to you is far more than what I ask you to give to me. So don't worry about what you don't have. Thank God for what you do have and understand where you got it from and give it to him and then he will give it back to you. Now here's the question. What are you gonna do with it? We'll look again at the close of the 19th verse. He gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Imagine had Peter and John walked up and got a basket full of fish and bread and said, man, look at that, I'm gonna go eat this. Now, they were hungry, by the way. They had no leisure, Mark says. They had no leisure, no time to eat. But they didn't do that, did they? They took that basket full and they went and sat set it over there with one of those companies of 50s and hundred, and they began to distribute it to that company. And then they came back, and they got another basket. And they kept taking it to the people until ultimately 20,000 were fed. You see, what God has given to us, God expects us to use and give to others for his glory. He said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, when he sent the disciples, he said, heal the sick, Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. The lame man at the beautiful gate was asking money from Peter and Peter said this to him in Acts 3 verse 6, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He got something better than alms that day, right? He got Jesus. You see, we find here the provision of the Master. Now, in closing, let me just say this. At the end of this chapter, or at the end of this incident, not the end of the chapter, but the end of this passage, this, this event, this day, what happens? What do we see? First of all, the multitude was satisfied. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. You're weary, you're tired, you're hungry. I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about in your soul. You found nothing to sustain you. The Bible said that Jesus will fill you. He will satisfy the longings of your soul. He will forgive you of your sin. He will give you a home in heaven. The multitude was satisfied that day. Verse 20, and they did all eat and were filled. That Samaritan woman could leave that water pot behind because she had taken a drink of the water of life and she needed no more. The multitude was satisfied. And then we notice in conclusion that the ministers were edified. Look at what the Bible says. And they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. Those disciples knew there was just five loaves and two fishes to begin with. They knew that the 20,000 had been fed, and they all got a take home box. They were strengthened they realized that God's work, though it may seem impossible, is done and can be done in the strength and power of Christ. And then lastly, we see that the master was magnified. Look at verse 21. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Well, if we imagine this group of 5,000 men if if the majority of them were married, if the majority of them had children, we're at twenty thousand or more with this crowd. Well, how can that be done? Only one way to explain it: God did it. God did it. The Master was magnified. What is it that we hope for our church? What is it that we desire for our church? Well, I think these are the things that we desire that the multitude be satisfied, that they come to know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, that they experience the forgiveness of sin, that their homes are held together, that their lives are held together, the multitude was satisfied, that we as the ministers of God would be strengthened and edified so that we could continue to do his work and so that our Lord would be magnified. So the Lord Jesus gives the command